Hi, it's Beth. This is the 50th episode of the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I am so dang proud, and I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Karuna's twin sister was diagnosed with breast cancer, and at the end of the same year, her mom was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. Her mom died less than two years later. Karuna says her mom was simply the best mother. If you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. And now, Karuna's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me uh, Karuna. Karuna and I met on Instagram. Um, she is also in the um, Griefstagram community, and she will tell you about that uh, at the end of our recording. But of course, she's here to tell us about the story of her mom. So I am going to turn it over to her and let her introduce herself and then tell us her story. And then we will come back together for some conversation after that. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Beth. Um, Yeah, so I lost my mom a little more than five years ago to cancer. um, And it was kind of um, a crapshoot of two years, basically in 2014, um, my sister, my twin sister at the time we were 25, um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, which was a complete shock to our family. Um, you know, we've have no family history. It was, we're young, we're healthy. Um, and, um, so it really all started there. And my parents, um, came, they were living in India at the time and they, um, basically moved to New York where my sister was to take care of her. Um, and through my sister's treatment, um, my mom basically, you know, she was probably already sick at the time. And we just, there was a lot that she was not telling us, but there was a lot that we didn't know either, but she, she basically got progressively sicker as my sister was going through treatment. And so my sister was diagnosed in April of 2014 and basically less than, um, at the end of that year, December, um, you know, we, it was pretty apparent that something was very wrong with my mom. She had lost a lot of weight. She just had no appetite. Um, and she and my dad flew back to India for a family wedding. And, uh, you know, it was only then that like she flew back and our family there, like her sisters were finally able to kind of convince her to go to a doctor finally. And she was diagnosed with, um, stage four colon cancer. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Um, yeah, it's, it's weird talking about it, right? It feels like an out-of-body experience. It feels like I'm recollecting somebody else's memories. Um, so yeah, it was, a, again, a huge shock for our family, double whammy, you know, two cancer diagnoses in a span of like eight months. And um, so we embarked on that journey through my mom's treatment, which is, you know, very traumatic to, to think back on. And, um, she suffered, she suffered a lot towards the end. And I think, um, there are a lot of memories there that I've blocked out towards the end, but, you know, through it all, she was, um, I think the one word that, 
you know, through all of her, she was in the hospital like four different times, once with um, sepsis right after her first chemo treatment, she went into septic shock and we had to rush her to the hospital. Um, a second time, she basically reacted to the chemo. The chemo was giving her like lung inflammation. So we had to um, rush her to the hospital a second time. So anyways, all through, through she th that's what I mean by that she suffered a lot. And through all of that, she, you know, the one word that people would describe her is just, it's sort of grace and graceful and gracious. And she was just like the one memory that always comes back to me is on in her first hospital stay when she had sepsis. Um, one of the nurses, um, she would just chat with the nurses and, and people were just kind of drawn to her that way because she was just such a good listener. And I remember one of the nurses, she came by and at this point, my mom was doing a little better and, but she was still having these um, fevers. And so she was, you know, they were keeping her in the hospital. So this one nurse, um, our night nurse, she came by and she ended up chatting with my mom for like 45 minutes. And at some point she was like, wait a second, I have like other patients to go check on. Like I have to leave, which that was just the, the kind of person that my mom was. She was, you know, if you were talking to her, she could make you feel like the most important person in the world in that given moment. Um, I really miss that about her. Um, but yeah, she went through a lot. Um, but she was really, um, you know, she was a very optimistic person. Um, she had faith. She was very spiritual. Um, and even though those were tested at various points in her journey, I think she, um, yeah, I think she just always remained um, gracious and, and, um, there was this kind of like, I think that just allowed her to, um, have this kind of tranquility and, and peacefulness about her as she was going through these really, really tough times. And I think that was what, that's a, the kind of energy that people picked up on when they were around her was this sort of this very calming presence, um, that, you know, people were just drawn to. Um, and so she went through, you know, her treatment was basically, we lost her in April of 2016. Um, yeah. And, and since then it's been, um, you know, as a lot of people who listen, who have experienced losing a loved one, losing a mom, um, and people who are listening to this podcast know that this journey is <laughs> very unpredictable. It's very, um, uh, it's really difficult. It's really challenging. And I think what has made it, um, you know, it's been, it'll be six years in, uh, in April of next year, but I think what has made it um, that much more challenging is that I've experienced multiple losses since then. So two years, exactly um, two years after my mom passed away, her younger sister, they were only a year apart um, and they were, they were like twins. I, I mean, they were so close. Um, and uh, just again, one of those completely out of the blue, um, completely unexpected. Um, she was, my aunt was diagnosed with um, ALS um, in November of 2017. And again, it just came 
you know, she was experiencing symptoms. We thought, okay, it was kind of hard to pinpoint what exactly it was, but, you know, the same way that we kind of rationalized with my mom, we kind of did the same thing with my aunt, just trying to, you know, kind of, uh, do a process of elimination as to what it could be. And then we finally got the diagnosis of um, ALS and it was quick. It was, you know, six months later she was gone, but she passed away like exactly two years apart. My mom passed away on April 12th in the US in Boston. And my aunt passed away April 13th, which technically is April 12th here in the US. And I mean, it was, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the same kind of faith as my mom, but that was the biggest sign that we could take from her. It, it just felt like she was just taking, you know, she was just, um, just didn't want my aunt to suffer. And it just, it was just completely surreal that it was literally exactly two years, um, so that was a huge, another huge blow to our family. And that happened um, um, basically a couple months after I lost a good friend um, to suicide. And um, while I was finishing grad school in San Francisco, um, they were um, a big part. I only knew them a year, but they were a really big part of my um, grief journey. They, they had experienced loss. Um, and they, you know, I went back to grad school after I lost my mom and it was, I mean, I felt like an alien. I was like coming back to this world that, you know, and, and, you know, at that time I was, I had just turned, I lost my mom a month before my 28th birthday and, you know, for, it's a good thing, but not, not many people that age have experienced the loss of a parent. And so none of my peers had gone through that again, fortunately, um, but it was, it made it very isolating to go back to that environment and try to navigate friendships and try to finish my PhD and, um, you know, my relationships with my, um, PhD advisors, you know, they, they tried their best to support me, but it's, it, well, that's a whole other topic of mental health and academia, but, you know, <laughs> they're not, it's not the greatest, um, and so it was really difficult um, going back and this friend, um, they, um, you know, because of their experience, they kind of, um, we just developed this friendship around um, that was that grief and loss were really central to, but we just um, encouraged each other to express and um, express our grief in different ways. And, and for me, it was writing. Um, I started a blog. Um, a couple of months after I lost my mom, um, uh, which transformed into my Instagram, which I'll talk about later. But um, I started this blog and I would, um, you know, my mom, so she was, um, she got her master's in English literature and she was, I used to call her like a walking dictionary. Like she was um, so expressive and so creative. And so she was, she was also um, a musician and a dancer in Indian classical, South Indian classical music and dance. And so she was, you know, and we, my sister and I and my brother were all kind of fortunate to inherit those um, creative um, uh, creative abilities. My, my sister and brother and I all sing. Um, and so my passion for writing um, really came from her and anything that's another like sort of really big memory from all through my 
childhood and college, like even in college, I would send all my essays to her to proofread, <laughs> except she never used computers or iPads. So I would um, send it to my dad, ask him to print it out for my mom. And she would, she was old school. Like she'd do her edits like in pencil, you know, on the, on the actual hard copy. And then we'd Skype <laughs> and talk about the edits. So it was like, you know, two or three different layers of technology, but that was the way she, she did it. And that, that like impulse, even now I'm a, I'm a science writer now. Um, and I still have this, like, every time I finish an, an article, it feels weird that like, I can't send it to her to, to look at. Um, and even though like, you know, I, and that even the fact that I'm a science writer, it was um, she uh, like a uh, palmistry or I think that's what it's called. Like reading palms is like a very uh, big thing in India. And she used to read our palms all the time and she used to read our hands and she would always look at my um, fate lines. And I have two fate lines that kind of and then it kind of there's one that goes in between them. So she would always say like, oh, like you are really good at writing and you like science. And maybe one day you'll become like a science writer, like maybe you'll merge those two things. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's like fate, but, you know, I consciously did things in college that combined both of those things, but I, I didn't necessarily know that I was going to become a science writer. So it, I always think about her when I'm, um, every time I finish a piece, but um yeah, so writing became my way to express grief. And um, <clears throat> I remember one of the earliest things that helped me was um, um, there's a really wonderful community called Refuge in Grief, um, Megan Devine, Megan Devine, and she runs like a 30 day uh, writing workshop, a grief workshop. And so I did that. And the, and the, I think it just helped me. Um, well, first of all, just being part of the community was so helpful, but then it really encouraged me to um, continue the blog. Um, but it was difficult, you know, writing the blog and then I would kind of share it on, on social media and Facebook, but it never felt, you know, people responded in the first couple of months as, as what happens in grief, right? After loss, you know, the first two, three, four months, maybe, um, you know, it's on, it's sort of on people's minds and then the world moves on, people move on and it's not that people don't care. It's just that it's not top of mind. Um, and um, Facebook, I don't know, sharing it on Facebook just became, I don't know, it just felt, um, it didn't feel right sharing it on there. And, and so I would go through these phases of um, writing and then being like, I don't know, I don't, I think I should just stop. And my friend who I lost would, they were such a big encouragement. They're like, keep writing, like keep expressing. And so every time I wanted to stop, um, they would encourage me. And so, you know, losing them again was, um, and then my aunt two months later, um, that was another really difficult year. Um, and then this past year through, through the pandemic, um, I lost another one of my mom's siblings, her brother. Um, and so it's just my mom's side of the family has, it feels like it's just kind of been decimated. I mean, at this point, there's only one of my mom's siblings left. And I, you know, she lost her parents um, quite a while ago, my mom, my grandparents. Um, and so it's just, um, it's just one aunt left out of our 
um, sort of her immediate family. And, you know, we have cousins and everything, but it's for all of us, it's been really difficult because we've, um, it's been so, again, like so surreal and so kind of, I mean, it, you know, it just kind of has made us think like, why us? Like, why just one after the other kind of like this? And it's, you know, I know so many people have had multiple losses and experienced multiple losses. And it's, there's no answer to that, obviously, but it's, it has, there have been multiple times where we've just been like, I don't get it. Like, why, why have we, why has our family gone through so much in so little time? Um, I think especially compared to, um, like if we compared ourselves to our parents at that, if when they were our age, you know, they, they still had their parents till their forties or fifties. Um, and at this point, all of my cousins, we've all lost a parent in our twenties or thirties. Um, and it's, it's like a hard thing to, it's just, you know, and so all of, so I grew up in, um, I was born in Boston, but my, my family, we moved to India when I was eight. Um, and so I grew up in India and, and I, I'm actually really, really thankful for that because we got to know our grandparents. They passed away a couple of years after that, um, but we you know, got to spend time with them and we got to really develop relationships with our aunts and our cousins. And, and that's the reason why you know, we're close knit. And that's why we've kind of experienced this collective grief as a family because um, you know, all this, especially me and my cousins, like our generation, we all, um, left India, um, at, for, you know, at either during college or after college, we all, um, went abroad. That's just a very common thing for, for people to do there after they finish their schooling, they'll go abroad for work or for more school. And so, um going home now is just completely different because just one by one people have just disappeared and so each time going back home is like a different experience um and so like this past summer you know and then obviously with the pandemic that's added so many different layers because we haven't been able to go back home in so long and then we've experienced uh loss while not being able to grieve um together um so yeah I guess that's my story of um just yeah just a lot of loss and a lot of grief in the last five to six years and it's been a very difficult thing to um you know I'm so appreciative of my friends and um, my family but it's it's a difficult thing to relate to it's a difficult thing to describe to people like how much sort of just the heaviness that I feel on a daily basis. I think grief adds a kind of heaviness that's really hard to describe. I think it's, um, you know, there's certain things I used to, I, I feel like I just used to go about the world so naively or really just with a lightness that was like, oh, like, you know, every, it was funny, actually, the other day I was talking to a friend and we were talking about like, I think it was like five-year plans or something like, oh, what would you do in five years? And I was trying to explain to them how it's difficult. You know, my dad is, um, especially just having one parent now, you're always thinking about, um, you know, they kind of factor into a lot of decision-making um, and he's older. And so I was just talking about, and he lives in India. And so I was talking about how it's, it's complicated and, um, and, and this friend said like, okay, well, what if everything works out? And 
it hit me later. It didn't hit me at the time, but I, I came back home and just like broke down. And I was like, why am I having such a reaction? And it just like occurred to me that, that just my brain just does not operate that way anymore. It's like that, that line of thinking like, oh, it'll work out. Like that just doesn't, it's not a thing. Like I just, you know, my, it's just, my mind goes to the worst case scenario because the worst case scenario has happened over and over again. And so it's hard for me to break that, um, that cycle of thinking. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) I often think it's kind of like, um, there's a, the, a constant shadow that's following mm-hmm. you around, but sometimes the sun breaks through and, you mm-hmm. know, you're in full daylight, but there's always that, you know, shadow around yeah. above you yeah. and how much, how much is covering your light um, varies by day, but exactly. yeah, it's that's such a it's, good way to put it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the fact that when people say that you get over grief or you don't get mm-hmm. ever get over it, you have to learn mm-hmm. how to live with it because nothing is ever the same after that and you can't you can't go back I mean you literally can't go back um because it's not it's not an option um Mm -hmm. and then like you were saying about your your words for your mom grace graceful gracious Mm -hmm. and that um she could really make you feel like the most important person and you got you know choked up when you talked about that I think there is a special you know the the mother-daughter bond and then loss like that's Mm -hmm. just something you know dads are great and dads have a great role in your life Mm -hmm. and I'm you know was so grateful for the dad that I had but there's just something about your mom that provides that unconditional love and that Mm -hmm. you know there's an affirmation that is gone yeah absolutely I've described it to people like she was you know how you think about like um I'm a you know, I come from a neuroscience background. And so <laughs> this might be um, kind of nerdy, but, you know, when you think about re- recording brainwaves or something, you always look at sort of signal to noise, like what's the, what's the background level? And then what are the little blips? And I don't mean to say that my mom was like the background noise, but she was, when I, what I mean to say is that she was sort of, she formed that sort of baseline and all the blips were kind of, you know, it's so funny. Like I remember having intense arguments with my dad, but she was, I don't really remember having intense arguments with my mom. Like she was sort of that, that calm baseline, that, that sort of like tranquility that I was talking about. And all the blips are sort of other people, other interactions, you know, other difficult relationships. And so, um, yeah, losing that sort of, um, really foundation, I guess, of, of who you are and you don't even, truly appreciate it till it's gone um that i've i've described it also as this sort of just like this homesickness like you know it feels like um and that safety net really like not like you were saying that like unconditional love again you you know again like you were saying like it's not that i don't get that from my dad or my siblings but it's it's yeah a mother's love is is very very different it's it's that um yeah i can't describe it any other way, but like, um, that kind of safety net of, of just knowing that you're okay. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when you were talking about the sound waves, I kept thinking like she was your constant. She's the constant exactly. part of that. And then every exactly. all the variations from that. Um, exactly. but you would always come back to, to her, that exactly. constant, the constant level that was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have, you know, you said you lost your your aunt, um, her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if your friend was female or male, but um, you know, the the female, the female structures and the female. Yeah. Um, other people that are in your life that's also you know other strong bonds yeah so my friend identified as non-binary um and that was it was yeah it's so hard you know friendships um you know you talk about like chosen family um and I only know knew this person for um this friend for you know a year and a half but it was such an instrumental, such a um, life-changing friendship. Um, yeah, and, and you just never know who, you know, that's definitely something that I've learned through grief is that you just don't know. I've, I've made, you know, we, we were talking earlier about sort of this Instagram community and I've I've made friends in quotation marks with complete strangers. I have never met them. I probably never will. Um, you know, but, and, and so you just never know, like, where those friendships will come from, um, and so my friend Chris, their name was Chris, um, yeah, it was just one of those um, friendships that was completely life-changing. And it was, was, I, I'm not saying was it, I need to ask the question, was it because you both were, like, completely open and honest with each other about, yeah. like, feelings and things you'd been through, and, mm-hmm. you know. It was just this, you know, it was, it was one of those things that was hard to explain. Like we just had this, so we really bonded over, um, so our lab, um, our lab group, we went to Japan for a conference. Um, and it was, you know, it was just six months after I lost my mom. And I remember because we, as I was, you know, we were, this was when my mom was still there and I was talking to her about this conference and I was like, oh, it's in October. Cause, and I had to like book hotels and stuff like with my lab mates with with the other grad students and um, researchers in my lab and so I was asking her like um, oh what do you think like should I go and you know like not knowing that she would not even be there like it was just one of those really weird I mean you don't know right Um, and so you know at the time and so but I I had already booked tickets and I had already um, um, you have to like present your research at these, at these conferences. And so I had already submitted like a um, proposal to, to, to present there and stuff. And so, um, you know, at the time it felt like, okay, I can handle this. And then when I got there, it's just like traveling. And then, I don't know, you just never know in those are, I mean, I was going to say early months, but even now, like I, you know, triggers are everywhere. You just don't know how you're going to, react to the situation, but it was stressful. It was um, really stressful. And I remember my friend, Chris and I, this was their first conference with, with the lab too. And we, we just bonded. We would, so we would just uh, walk. um, We would take walks together, um, kind of blowing off the conference a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then also we would walk from the hotel to the convention center where the, um, where the conference was. And we would just have these it's like, just like you said, it was like these immediately honest and open talks. And it was, I don't know, I just never encountered that at that point in my grief journey. Um, 
And yeah, that's how we bonded. And, you know, it was, it was grief, but we also bonded over um, pop music and um, early nineties shows that we used to watch. And we just had very similar kind of sensibilities. Um, and so it was, and I remember one night we went out uh, for karaoke because we were in Japan. Um, so we went out karaoke and we, we like picked the same songs and, you know, it was just, it was such a bonding experience and, um, and it really formed from there, but they, I feel like they, they, I've in a lot of ways, um, I was able to get through that trip because of them. Um, and because I kind of had them as a support and to, um, you know, I was with a close friend, another close friend as well, and she was great, but I, I think just having, they just kind of knew, you know, it's like one of those things where like when somebody has been through it, um, you can kind of pick up on, you know, when somebody needs their space or, you know, it's just like one of, again, you know, like a club that nobody wants to be part of and you can kind of understand when um, things are difficult. So that was really kind of when we bonded. Um, they used to say, they used to tell people, um, that's when we fell in love. <laughs> uh, and it really, it really felt like that. It just, um, you know, they were it, it, in the type of falling in love that applies to friendships, like, you know, this platonic love, but it, it really felt like such a bonding um, experience. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely um, part of, you know, the Griefstagram community that's been supportive to me is that yeah. you can, you know, you can share it there because mm -hmm. if somebody's following my daughters without moms, it's because yeah. they understand that the account is about loss, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, it's just a different, it's been a different um, just arena for me because I, mm -hmm. I'm not a real social media fan to start with um, yeah. and was getting ready to actually end it all because of all the polarization and judgment and stuff that was going on. But mm -hmm. um, the Daughters Without Moms page has just been, um, you know, this, this amazing group of support. Um, yeah. It's been really, and, and because I'm able to be completely honest and mm -hmm. I also am the only person um, left in my immediate family, which mm gives me this a little bit of a weird sense of freedom with my story that I mm. can be completely vulnerable because I'm the yeah. only one left, um, right. you know, to take responsibility of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it has been, it has been, um, it has been completely freeing uh, yeah. for me. And um, it feels, it feels, it feels good. It feels yeah. good to not try to be, um, you know, positive when things are crappy like today I'm actually having a crappy day today mm -hmm. was the day that my sister I don't know if you saw the post or not I but did today, see your post yeah. yeah so you know today is a crappy day and people are like how are you doing and I'm like well I'm doing okay but I'm it's kind of crappy you know yeah. and but I think I've I've gotten to the point where I realize we have to say that we have to say exactly. you know it kind of sucks there's yeah. you know nothing I can do about it but just allowing yourself to feel it um, exactly. and having somebody to process that with is really such a blessing. One of my favorite authors, Susan David talked about, she was, she was young when her father died and mm -hmm. one of her teachers gave her a notebook and said, just, just write, just yeah. write in here. And they would pass it back and forth and wrote back and forth to each other oh, that wow. way. And her book is called emotional agility. And it really, you know, talks mm -hmm. about having the wherewithal to yeah. um, not let your emotions run your life, that mm -hmm. you control your emotions, your emotions don't control you. And she yeah. puts a lot of it back to that process as a creative person. So, mm. so 
So, yeah. So good for you for finding Mm -hmm. that outlet and then sharing it with us. So, so tell us where, where we can find you, where, where your blog is, where you are on Instagram. Yeah. So both my blog and my Instagram is, is called the thing about grief. Um, I think the title kind of, as I was kind of describing grief to people, I'd be like, well, the thing is, you know, cause it was, I was like learning new things about grief, like every single day. Um, and it's interesting that you talked about the creative process because even through writing at some point I hit this roadblock. It just felt like words were not doing it justice. And so I remember it was, um, I think, uh, yeah, it was a year, the, the second year, year two, which, um, was, you know, a whole different minefield than year one, but year two, I remember that summer, my brother was visiting me in San Francisco and I was telling him like, you know, with the blog, I was like, I just feel like at some point there just aren't words to describe grief. Like, you know, I feel like grief is like every emotion on the spectrum. And it's like, sometimes there just aren't words to describe this kind of pain. And so he was like, well, why don't we try drawing? Let's just try to draw. And that's where that came from. This Instagram is me drawing and I'm not artistic. I'm not artistic in that sense. I'm not a good like drawer. (laughs) Like my sister is actually much better at sort of art, actual art. Um, And so, you know, if you go to my Instagram, they're like stick drawings, but somehow expressing myself that way was felt at that point felt more fulfilling. And even now it does feel, you know, the, the, my blog is actually, my Instagram is much more active than my blog. And sometimes I'll link out to my Instagram from the blog, but, um, I think that, um, the process of literally just drawing these stick figure things, even if it's just like a broken heart and then like posting it on Instagram, um, and, and not necessarily just Instagram, but just like sometimes posting on the blog, you have to kind of it has to, somehow it felt more structured and it felt like it was more of a, um, an emotional labor than just posting a picture on Instagram with the, with a caption. And so that became, I kind of turned from the blog to this, to the Instagram as, um, kind of an outlet and it's, um, yeah. And that too has just been such an interesting, um, process and such an, it's just been such a great outlet for me. I think just um, a lot of times my drawings are just kind of like stick figures and thought bubbles. And it's just like, like you were saying, like, if it's literally just like today sucks, like that's the drawing, you know, but it seems, again, it seems to resonate with people. And I think, um, and I, I always, you know, I've had people message me and been like, oh, how did you come up with this? Or how do you come up with these drawings? And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't need to be an artist at all to, to do this. And I think it can, you know, sometimes I would just draw, like a lot of times I'll just draw things that remind me of my mom um, or I'll draw, try to like visualize feelings, like how I'm feeling at that time or how my mom made me feel. Um, And somehow, sometimes that's more, at least for me, that's been more effective than um, writing. I felt like at some point my, my blog was just becoming like this um, kind of like a, um, what's the phrase, like a um, broken record. (laughs) I was having a brain fart, but yeah. So, and and so um, drawing became this way to visualize some of those feelings and memories. And um, yeah, so um, the thing about grief um, and, and like you said, that Instagram community has been, I mean, that's how I found you and, and Mm -hmm. 
it's just been life, like truly life-saving at times. Like when I, you know, I think this might resonate with people too. Like sometimes even the people closest to you, you can't, because you're so, each person is so kind of in those depths of grief. Sometimes it can be hard to even, even though you're experiencing the same loss, um, you kind of have to go through your grief, grieving separately. And, and sometimes it's hard to communicate even with that, you're the person you're, you're closest to. And um, there were so many times and, um, you know, those first couple of years when somebody would message me out of the blue on Instagram, or, you know, when I was in these like really, really dark places and it would just, it would just be that light in that moment to be like, okay, like somebody else doesn't, you know, somebody else is experiencing this. Like I'm not, I'm not losing it. Like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I think, um, like you were saying, I think social media definitely can be, a, you know, a polarizing place and a, a scary place sometimes, but this community has been truly, truly life-saving in some ways. Yeah. It has been really great. Mm-hmm. And I think you had said earlier that like grief is all the words, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, and yeah. so maybe that's why, like you said, you know, you've used all the words you can to describe exactly. grief, but pictures let's say pictures are worth a thousand words so Mm -hmm. you know when you write something and you use words I mean people still can relate to it and how they hear it but a picture how you look at a picture versus how I look at a picture Mm -hmm. you know it can really um, emote so much more um, Mm -hmm. because it leaves more up to the imagination in my opinion you know looking at one of your one of your drawings leaves more uh, to the imagination. So, so our song's going to be next because you said you're a singer too. <laughs> I know it's, hey. yeah, I know. It's one of those things where I don't know if you feel this, but you know how there are certain things that are so like evoke your person so strongly that they sometimes become difficult to do. So music was for a long time, very difficult for me to um, approach. And it's one of those things where like, I, you know, it would, I think I just have these memories of, um, like in my mom's, um, in her last months, she would, um, ask my sister and I to sing and she would get really emotional. And, um, it's just one of those things where like, I know she would be so, I think because it was such a tangible thing that we got from her. And so I think that's why it would make her so emotional when she would hear us sing, and um, it's just one of those things that's been really difficult to to do, but I'm tr- I'm trying. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> you can protect that as the thing that's sacred for you and, yeah. your, mom and your sister and your brother. You know, if yeah. that's if that's how it is in your mind right now, then that's how yeah. you have to leave it be. You know, mm-hmm. that's why. You know, we talked about that grief is not everybody's grief journey is different. There's no yeah. right or wrong way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. you're taking it. My, my thing is one day at a time, one day at a time. Absolutely. And maybe someday music will open up for you, but yeah. you know, for right now, we'll just appreciate your words and your art. <laughs> Thank you. So I will um, put all those links in the show notes. If you're listening to this, you can come back wherever you're listening to this podcast and look at the show notes and we will link all the ways to find uh, Karuna in there. And I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you this before we start recording, but I usually do end with mm-hmm. the, you know, if you have a final tip or a takeaway or something that you want to share with the audience. Yeah. I mean, that actually just, you know, you're saying one day at a time um, really made me think about, you know, sometimes it's literally 
a minute at a time. I think that's how I got through those first couple of years. One moment, one minute, and then it it becomes two minutes, three minutes, a half hour. You know, I think um, we just, I think, yeah, I think as this culturally, societally, unfortunately, we, we're not truly equipped to handle grief or to, you know, um, understand what that process is. And so I would just say to anyone out there, just, you know, literally just a moment at a time, if you get to the next moment, you're, you're doing it, you know, and there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, and, um, yeah, just know that you're, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you, you, Beth. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.